Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Deer in the headlights. <laughs> Probably an accurate description of most preachers when they began. I, I would dare say probably all of us have been there or will be there. Uh, when we look at the congregation, we see all the eyes fixed on us. Um, we stand behind the pulpit, behind the podium, however large, however small. Maybe you're immobilized by fear. Maybe some of you are literally scared stiff. Uh, when I was in the Memphis School of Preaching, there was one particular guy who, I was told this, I didn't see this, he began to preach uh in chapel, <laughs> in front of all the instructors and being critiqued and all of that, which was the hardest place in the world for me personally to preach. But uh, as he began to preach, his arms and legs locked up, and he literally fell forward, uh, taking the massive pulpit with him down from the uh, from the stage, which is <laughs> maybe two feet up. And a uh, horrible, horrible scene. But, of course, they put the pulpit back up there. They put him back up there and said, go. Uh, another occasion, uh, I think I do remember this. One guy began to speak, and his nerves were so shot that he bolted out of the pulpit, ran to the restroom, and puked his guts up. <laughs> maybe you're not there, uh, but maybe nerves are still apart. Whether you're preaching, you know, this is your first year or your 50th year, Maybe nerves is just your thing. Maybe maybe uh, stage fright, uh, as it is considered the most the, the greatest fear that most people have, other than the fear of death, is stage fright. Um, but if we're not careful, it'll all get to us in some way. You know, in facing down our fears uh, to gain greater freedom in preaching, it's not just a challenge for just the rookie. It can be for those who are the, the, the veterans, if you will, we want to get comfortable. We want to find ourselves out. We want to know who we are. We we want to, you know, find ourselves not taking cover behind the pulpit. Uh, we don't want to repeatedly look down from our notes. We don't want to read our sermon, you know, like a manuscript. But we've got to overcome the fear that really keeps us muted in our delivery. Um and so what I want this to do, this podcast today, this episode, to talk about that fear. Let's ask the question, is freedom from my notes possible? You know, we'll get into some of the excuses that people lay out there, but most preachers would like to be free from their notes and free in their delivery. But they don't see this kind of freedom as as really a realistic option. And the reason they give for you know, staying tied down to their sermon notes can seem valid and even noble. I mean, I've I've even shared some of the some of the thoughts that I'm going to share with you. I've I've had those myself. But but listen to these examples and see if you find yourself in there. Here is excuse number one: "Quote, I want to get it right. After all, I am preaching the word of God. I've worked hard to understand the passage and craft a sermon that cognitively." Uh, and clearly presents the truth of the passage. I've manuscripted my message, even wordsmithing some lines to make them as vivid and memorable as possible. 
If I go without notes, I'll likely leave out important parts or won't say them as well as I've written them down. I want my hearers to get the best of my homiletic labors, and if I don't choose, if I don't stay close, rather, to my notes, I'll be giving people less than my best. Basically, I read my notes so that I can give the best sermon possible. Maybe you've said that. Maybe I've said that. Here's number two. I don't have a good memory. I've never excelled in memorizing anything, not in Bible verses um, or class notes or preaching school. Hats off to those guys who have been blessed with a photographic memory, but I'm not in that elite group. Others may be able to preach well without notes, but not me. Sure, I'd love to do so, but I just don't have the ability, end quote. Number three excuse, quote, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> I've watched preachers lose their way in the middle of a message. I've felt the awkward silence, seen the panic look on the preacher's face. I sometimes have nightmares where I'm preaching a sermon can't find my notes, and don't remember what I'm supposed to say next. I don't want to be a pulpit version of Peter trying to walk on the homiletical waters only to sink in a very public way. Better to stay in the boat where the safety of my sermon notes help to keep me afloat. <laughs> have you ever said any of those excuses? I want to get it right. I don't have a good memory. I don't want to embarrass myself. Maybe you have. But let's ask the question. Is freedom from notes really all that important? I mean, realistically, is it is that key? I mean, to developing a good sermon, does that mean that you don't have to have notes? Because I know some preachers that do not have notes, and they preach powerful sermons. But then I've seen preachers um, not focus so much on their notes, but have notes and reference those notes. And those have been powerful sermons. And so let's ask the question, is it really all that important? You know, giving these uh, these understandable, we might say, objections why we should why we should not torment ourselves over these things, um, to preach free from our sermon notes, here here's the answer. Why should we to free up our delivery and increase the impact of our sermons? Why should we? To increase the impact. Gareth Malone is a choral music specialist in the UK in his Guide to Classical mu Music. He makes a very uh, interesting observation about the soloist of the orchestra. He says they usually play without a score. The rest of the orchestra may have stands uh, and musical scores, which is notes, in front of them, but not the soloists. They stand on the stage with nothing between them and the audience. So why do these soloists forego a copy of the music, especially when they have such an extensive amount of playing time? Now, what Malone does is he explains the decision to play without, a, without musical notes. He says, mainly a form of sustained communication with the audience. He's, he makes the, the very valid point he says hidden behind a music stand with their head buried in the score it can make it harder to reach the audience and that's true very true reaching the audience pushes soloists to play without notes that's that's the focus that's the key 
So reaching the audience should also push preachers to get free from their notes. I mean, realistically, we're, we're dealing with the most important work in the world, with the most important thing in the world, which is souls. And so looking people in the eye helps you connect with their soul, with their heart. Imagine having a conversation with somebody, and the whole time they're looking down as you speak or as they speak. How does that conversation go? How well do you receive that? Everybody's distracted. So the desire to connect more deeply with our hearers, preacher, should move us to get us free from our sermon notes. I mean, eye contact is not taught so much in society as it once was. But if you're going to be a a good, firm character man, you've got to have a good handshake and look people in the eye. Now, when we're when we're trying to preach without notes, we need to we need to preface this. Our motivation is not to impress, but to impact. We don't seek to draw attention to ourselves, but to better serve our listeners. We want people to hear, to learn, and obey. So ironically, when you and I are tied to our notes, we're actually drawing more attention to ourselves. So this is a doable challenge. You may be thinking that that I'm adding more pressure to your life as a preacher. Preaching free from our notes seems as far-fetched to some of us as running a four-minute mile. <laughs> don't, don't ask me to do that. Uh, or, or maybe at, or hitting a hole in one. I'm great at putt-putt, but, but don't get me with a driver. Uh, that's just not my game. But it's already hard enough to prepare a, a very uh, a qualified sermon, we would say. And so now what Jake is asking you to do is to memorize it. <laughs> why, why raise the bar to a height that we can't possibly clear? What I want to do is highlight two things when it comes to changing your perspective over this challenge. You can do this. When you hear me say memorize your scripture your scripture or your, your sermon, I don't necessarily mean word for word. Number one, let's, let's, let's put it in twos. Number one, internalizing rather than memorizing. Maybe you're trying to impress the church. Maybe you're trying to impress the congregation, the the eldership, whoever you're speaking in front of. And so maybe maybe for those of you who are listening to this, you are uh, young preachers or you are uh, associates where you preach two or three times a month. And so what you want to do is you've got several weeks to prepare uh, for just one sermon. And so you will begin to memorize your manuscript and try to preach without notes. And let's just, let's just say it's the case that you do memorize it. Uh, I've seen some guys memorize their sermons and it, it looked like, it looked like that they were very robotically, um, just putting their message out. If you're the kind that has to memorize their sermon or you're trying to memorize your sermon, what you'll do, uh, is you won't connect in the conversations that you have leading up to the pulpit. You'll avoid those conversations. Uh, you won't uh, be out in the foyer. You won't mingle with the brethren before they before they come in. You won't you won't warm their their hands and their hearts. Uh, you'll make your way through uh, service uh, like a waiter uh, who's carrying a platter full of plates in a crowded restaurant, and you're afraid that somebody's going to bump into you and upset the whole balancing act that you got going on. When when you preach. A message 
that you have worked so hard to memorize word for word, you're doing yourself a disservice. So that's not that's not what I'm talking about, memorizing your in, entire sermon. I'm talking about internalizing it, internalizing it, putting it inside, letting it cook a while. Rather than memorize, we have to internalize. I, I, I write out my sermons. Um, I write them out word for word. That, that helps me uh, not for memorization, but to flesh out what I'm saying. Now, when I get into the pulpit, I don't take a word-for-word manuscript. I'll take something that has been internalized and laid out there. Internalizing a message involves getting clear on the overall flow of your thought in the sermon, or the thought of your sermon. Uh, think, think Think of it like this. If you were to internalize the floor plan of your house, you can think your way through a tour of the various rooms of your house, right? Yeah, the entryway leads to the kitchen, off the kitchen is the living room, down the hall, the three bedrooms, the bathroom, and so on. Internalizing a sermon really gets you clear on the floor plan of your sermon. So, for example, you've got an introduction, a story that you're telling, uh, and after the introduction, read the text. And then your next point, say, state your next point, which is whatever your point is. Then show how this idea comes from the first verse of the text or the second verse and explain, you know, explain a key term of that text and, and, and what that, what that means in its context. You know, then you tell, then you tell a story of the, of the road trip to Atlanta last year or whatever. Um, and, and then you transition to your next point. So if you internalize how you're going to go about this, uh, the words from the sermon will will come to you. When you walk yourself through the layout of the message, uh, you're well on your way to internalizing it. By the way, uh, I, I have found by the time that I have manuscripted a sermon, I kind of mentioned this earlier, I have found out that when I do manuscript a sermon, I've internalized a good portion of it. If I read it, read it, read it, read it, read it for the week, you know, the process of carefully writing out my thoughts, that that it will embed much of the message into my mind. Internalizing means that you know your message thought for thought rather than word for word. I'm not necessarily talking about doing this with scripture. I'm talking about doing this with your sermon, the way you're going to preach this. If you will if you will internalize thought for thought, uh, that will help you in your delivery and getting away from your notes. Now, there's going to be some sentences that you want to say with precision, um, but your goal is to paraphrase your manuscript. This allows you to free up uh, your eyes and your attention from your notes uh, to those um sitting, listening, going step for step with you in your sermon. And what this does is this this allows your delivery to be more like a conversation and less like a canned presentation. A good salesman is not somebody who comes to you, makes a cheesy sales pitch, lays it out in front of you, and says, now will you sign up for $19.95 a month? A good salesman is going to ha- come into your house sit down, drink your coffee, pet your dog, look at you in the eyes, talk about why you need their product, show you their product, and then give you the option of 
of fixing the problem that you have. So two completely different styles. It's about internalization. This is just for me personally. I've always said this. I don't want to master the scriptures. I want to be mastered by the scriptures. I don't want to have 32 verses memorized when I climb into the pulpit. I'm not there to impress the brethren. I'm there to make an impact. And if I can if I can work through one word of one verse and bring out from one word in that verse that will do so much for their heart and their soul and their faithfulness and walk people out of darkness and into light, then I will do that rather than stand up and parrot a list of verses and proof text my way in and out of my points. I don't want to do that, and you don't either. We want to be real and effective. Remember, we're there to impact, not impress. So number one, internalize. Number two, prioritize what you internalize. This is the second piece uh, that will help you uh, get free from your sermon notes. Now, you can do this you know, incremental, incrementally, step by step, slowly, uh, rather than all at once. You don't want to go from no notes to, or from notes to, to no notes, especially if you're highly dependent upon your notes. You don't want to take a giant leap. You'll get frustrated and fall out and, and wind up quit, quitting, uh, trying to free yourself from the notes. So take, take smaller steps. Prioritize what you internalize. And as I've already said, Begin by internalizing the overall structure of your message, of the floor plan of your house, basically. And once you think your way through the flow of the message, you you will already feel less tied to your notes. If you know where you're going, that's, that's half the battle. You no longer fear getting lost in the middle of your message um, since you already, in a very uh, general sense, know what's coming next. So after you've internalized the overall structure of the sermon, I would encourage you to to internalize your introduction and your conclusion. Um, Take the plane off peaceably and land the plane peaceably. That's where you get them. Curtis Cates, one of my instructors during my time in the School of Preaching in Memphis, he said you've got to grab them by the nap of the neck. In the first five minutes, if you don't grab them, by the nap of the neck with your introduction, you've lost them. Uh, and within the first five minutes, if the word Jesus does not come across your plate, you, you're probably not preaching Jesus. So taking off and landing are huge. It's very huge. If you can internalize your intro and your outro, that will help you in your delivery. This allows you to connect eye to eye, heart to heart, soul to soul, with your listeners at what may be the most key moments of the message. John uh, Broadus observed in his classic book on homiletics, people like for the minister to look at them and to share directly with them. It is difficult to overestimate the importance of eye contact. When you and I get comfortable being you know, really free from our notes at the start and at the conclusion of our, ster- our of our sermon, we need to we need to take the next step, which is to internalize our main points. Uh, if you have main points, if you're preaching an exposition, you may not necessarily have points, and that's okay. It, your sermon doesn't have to be, you know, 
three points, a deathbed story, and 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 a poem. That that's that's not what constitutes a good sermon. That's just by tradition what some have done. So without putting too much pressure on yourself, on myself, put myself. I need to put myself, and you need to put yourself, in a way to increase the amount that you internalize. And this takes time, but in time you will discover that you have become less dependent upon your notes and you are still communicating effectively the essential message that you have prepared. So, safety net. Being free from your sermon notes is not as as the, is not the same as a preacher with no notes. I have found it, you have as well, I know, helpful to transfer the outline of your message to an oversized post-it note. Rick Lawson preaches in Adairsville. He has post-it notes that he puts in his Bible. He's got his main points, or he's got his main verses, the things that he's going to talk about. See, if you internalize what you're going to talk about, you don't have to have to prepare. If you are sopped, that's, that's a southern word, uh, sop, that's where you see some gravy on the plate, and you reach over there and grab you one of those yeast rolls, and you take that yeast roll, and you sop up that gravy on that biscuit, okay? You want to sop up your text. You want to sop up your, your sermon uh, in your mind and apply this first to your soul. It's, it's, it's the best safety net that you have consumed and ate on what you're preaching uh, for, you know, two weeks, ten days, uh, or at least a minimum four or five days this is this has become who you are. If you know uh, what you're talking about, you don't have to have notes. If I were to ask you, what are you, uh, aside from preaching, what are you passionate about? Is it sports? Is it mechanics? Is it, um, is it, you know, carving wood? What whatever it is, you don't need notes to explain to me what it is that you love. You don't even have to tell me why you love it. You've got five or six reasons why you love what you love. The same is true with the text. I pray that this text masters you before you try to, quote, master it. It has to go in that order. This has to become who we are. We can't just look at something and scan a copy and regurgitate it to the church. That's, that is not effective preaching. So this has to be first internalized in your soul. Then take your overall floor plan Put it on a post-it note, stick it inside your Bible, or, or whatever the text is that you're preaching, and there's your safety net. Or, or, or maybe it, maybe it's going to take you, you know, a couple of times to practice through the week what you're going to internalize and what you're going to produce. No two sermons need to be the same. They don't need to be. The, if you're going to preach a sermon once, if you preach it again, you know, in six months down the road at a congregation for a summer series or whatever then then it doesn't necessarily have to be word for word the exact same. That's not written down anywhere. That's just something that we've we've come to know and do and, and think, well this was good here and if I don't if I don't, you know, make a copy of it, then it's not going to be good elsewhere. But that's not true. I, I get the fact that we all have different capabilities when it comes to memory work. But brethren, you can do it. Your mind is a muscle. Your brain is a muscle. Uh, when I sat down at the, f the first day of, of preaching school in 2012, if you would have told me, Jake, 
by the end of this year, you're going to memorize the entire book of James. I would have thought you were crazy. But scripture memorization, and I get that it's harder for some of us who are older. It, it can be. But that that memory muscle is a muscle, and it will strengthen the more that we use it, the more that we uh, hinge on memorization. It will begin to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, I, but I, I remain convinced that most preachers could become far less note-dependent that they than than they could imagine possible, and I'm not talking about develop a PowerPoint uh, that's going to have all your scripture, all your text, and all your main points on there. Okay, that's that, that's cheating as well. I'm talking about really internalizing what you're preaching, so that when you get up there, you're not terrified. That if your notes were to fly away, it wouldn't matter. You you already have in your heart what you're ready to say. Somebody once said that memory is like a trusted friend. The more that you rely on it, the more reliable it proves. That's the truth. So in order to free yourself up in your delivery, to increase the connection that you have with the congregation, make it your goal to become increasingly free from your notes. When you start to fear that you can't possibly do this, you need to remember what Paul wrote to a gifted but a very fearful preacher who had to be urged to stay where he was Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, for this reason I, Paul, remind you, Timothy, to fan, fan the flame of the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my, of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control.